And that concludes the Farmer Wants a Wife watching party with Tim featuring Angle Park. We now move on to Sporting Woods, episode 112. Notable admission, I am flying solo. It is Tim here uh, with another episode. Uh, Luke, unavailable this evening. Uh, He's come down with a terrible disorder called Bonus Eruptus. It's where the skeleton tries to leap out the mouth and escape the body. Now, it's only an early stage um, disorder, so they've caught it early, so they can treat it with transdental electromicide. So that's where Luke is at the moment. He's at hospital uh, getting the treatment that he needs. Uh, We hope that the transdental electromicide works. Otherwise, it could be curtains. But Luke, we're praying for you out there, mate. Uh, Stay strong and we'll see you in the near future. Cricket. Cricket. Bats. Bats. Balls. 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 Welcome to episode 112, Sporting Woods. A lot to get through, so we're just going to get straight into it. A lot of not only rugby league, but uh, we've got the American correspondent, we've got the European correspondent all making um, appearances this evening. So let's just get straight into the good, bad, the ugly. So for me, my good this week was Mary McGregor's send-off with a upset victory over Parramatta. And... This is one thing that really shits me about politics within footy clubs, and we we saw it with Dean Pay, and to a lesser extent Paul Green, because I think he not not that Paul Green outstayed his welcome, but just the fact that I think he, he was done, like he got everything he could out of those players, and and that doesn't mean that he's a bad coach or a bad person, or the players aren't bad, you know, aren't responsive. It was just it was just time to move on, and that's fair enough. This this situation with Mary's are. Uh, I think it's a little bit different. There was a board change, um, a regime change per se, where they came in and um, ke- decided to keep him as coach. And, you know, it's always been heavy question marks over whether or not, you know, he's fully in charge of the team. And then they had this big drama this year where they lost to the Bulldogs, I think, and they came out and we, we gave them... Uh, James Graham and Paul McGregor credit for coming out and, and fronting media and answering the tough questions. And you knew that while Paul McGregor was speaking honest, he wasn't speaking the full truth of what was happening in the background. And, you know, a lot's been said this week now that, you know, he was shown the door midweek, uh, you know, and was asked to stay on to coach the last game, which he did. Uh, he's a Illawarra uh, stalwart, a club legend of Illawarra Steelers, and and then obviously when they merged, he did play some years at St George, and a lot of people forget that about Paul McGregor. He was one of the top centres in the competition uh, during his prime. You know, he was a great player and a, a good servant of New South Wales there for a couple of years. But yeah, I just I feel sad for him because again with the Dean Pay, it felt like he never had full reins of the team. Uh, to show what he could do as a full-time coach. Um, most notably, the readjustment of their sort of internal structure, as they want to say, where he was unable to have the final say on team selections. While he was part of the selection committee, he he did not have the final say in team selections. Now, how can a coach justify their position or be able to perform uh, or let make their team be able to perform in the way that they want when he's not in charge of the player personnel on the field. That, to me, is ridiculous, and that shouldn't happen in rugby league. In AFL, we do see they have, like, selection committees, and that becomes a big, big deal where the coach, I, I would assume, has a final say. Um, but, yeah, just they tried that half and half to, like, keep him happy 
you know, so that they don't have to buy him out after they re-sign him to a contract that they probably didn't want him to sign in the first place. So, you know, they tried this each-way bet thing. It didn't work. Paul McGregor was obviously hamstrung. The The board felt they were hamstrung, um, so they've decided to just end it here. Um, I really enjoyed the, the players' reaction. Um, obviously, they did it for Mary. Uh, it's a shame it had to come to this for them to actually start playing some good footy. Now, they have played some good footy um, after their first two games, I think, after the resumption of the competition. Um, yeah, they haven't been awful, but uh, just some really high-profile underperforming players have cost Mary his job in the end. Uh, now, will they give the will the board committee whatever give uh, the next coach? a better chance to succeed? Well, we'll wait and see, but I have my reservations about that. Uh, the bad. I, I, I'm i still surprised at the arguments that um, some heavy hitters in the media have come out to defend Kevin Proctor, but the alleged bite, I'll, I'll use that word, um, on Sean Johnson during the game. Yes, he had his arm over his face. No, there was no intention to eye gouge, um, rip his jaw off, uh, break his nose, anything like that. Obviously, he was looking in the other direction, um, just had just had his arm there to wrap him up, per se, not anything ridiculous. And then for him to get allegedly bitten uh, was just an alleged brain, sla- brain snap by Kevin Proctor, you could tell when Perinara sent him off, he argued for about two seconds and then realized, yep, I fucked up here. And uh, walked off the field very nonchalantly. After the game, um, Proctor and Johnson embraced. Johnson in the post-game said, look, I'm happy to leave it on the field and and move on. Obviously, they've played a bit of footy together um, at a national level. So, like... It, you know, and not everyone has to be mates with each other, but they seem very friendly. And then you also saw in the sheds after the game, Kevin Proctor trying to justify his uh, actions to everyone within 25 feet of him. So that looked like a player that was scrambling for support uh, after he knew that he fucked up. So, yeah, I mean, look, the the three people that I can distinctly remember or, or recognize came out in his defense. Well, the first is Aaron Mullen. She's you know, post on Twitter saying, is that really a bite? Question mark. Gordon Tallis and Big Mal. Well, we all know Gordon Tallis and Big Mal are on the payroll at the Titans. So obviously there's a bit of conflict of interest there. So, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. They obviously won't say that, but we all know that they're uh, on the board or on uh, getting paid by the Titans in some capacity, whether consultant or coaching. Um, so yeah, hard to take their word for it. And also Aaron Mullins, to be fair, I'm not going to lie. Um, but for me, surely he's played his last game of the year. Uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe six weeks. What's that? He might play one game, but then what's the point? You may as well just suspend him for the rest of the year. And you can make the argument he's played his last game for the Titans and probably in the NRL. Um, very, uh, on a very high Price contract, um, underperformed over the last four years severely, um, sort of in the scheme of the Adam Blair to the Tigers post-Melbourne, um, you know, moved there in his alleged prime and never really took the team to the heights that um, they thought that he would. And uh, with the signings of David Fafita and Tino F and SASA and a good young core, AJ Brimston, Fogarty, while not young, Looks really good. A solid first grader um, that can steer a team around the park. Um, in uh, in talks for Alex Johnston as well. Um, young Alex Johnston, 25-year-old Alex Johnston. Um, you know, he could slot in at fullback or even on the wing. He'd be a good addition as well. They've got the money for him as well. So, you know, there's, there's positive signs there at the Titans and they probably don't need someone uh, like Proctor. You know, they, they, they're looking for a full regime change and getting Ryan James out and Kevin Proctor, who've kind of been the leaders of that team over the last four years, uh, might help them find that new identity and, and keep this train rolling. 
Now, my ugly is also a reverse finching. We need to make this official. Um, a couple of weeks back, Luke and I were discussing who in this competition is going to beat the Roosters. They've just they pantsed everyone. It wasn't even close. I think I think it was after the Parramatta game where Parramatta played well and still couldn't get over the line. And we said, how how is any team on their best day supposed to beat the Roosters? And ever since that moment, uh, the injuries have just been all over the place. Starting with uh, everyone's favorite Roosters player, Mitch Orbison, the only local junior in the whole team, I think. Uh, he's he's now stranded on 301 uh, games, one short of Anthony Minicello's all-time record uh, for games for the Roosters. Uh, wrist ligament, I think. I don't even think it was a break in the end. Um, check with the NRL physio on that one, but he could be in a bit of strife, may have played his last game of the year, potentially for his career. I'm not too sure what his contract situation is uh, next year. Young Lucky Lamb with the... Uh, just the buzzword in the NRL over the last two years, syndesmosis. Um, that moves Kyle Flanagan straight in. And also I might add there was a story up that um, Shane Flanagan, uh, you know, the the high and mighty, high high integrity Shane Flanagan, um, called up Trent Robertson um, asking for an explanation why his son got dropped. That story is an allegation, but would not surprise me in the slightest. But Kyle Flanagan... We'll have to do it on his own because Luke Keary picked up what has been confirmed as a rib injury. Um, but on the during the game, uh, you know, it was very worrying signs for him. And then he's off the field. Uh, sorry, he's on the ground just off the sideline. Um, on and the trainer is assessing him, and you can just see um, the pain in his face and in his motions. He couldn't sit still. Um, pain all over him, and. Uh, we were querying, you know, ruptured spleen, like those sorts of things. It came out that he had an internal issue and been rushed to hospital, which for me with my limited background in, in, you know, medical field, I was like, well, that surely is a spleen issue or some sort of kidney thing. But um, lucky for everyone there, it's just broken ribs. Broken ribs are a pain management thing as well. So um, while it might only take a couple of weeks to recover, it will be quite painful moving forward. So, they're in a bit of strife, the Roosters, and I've just had a little look um, at their at their schedule. So, six games to go. Um, they've got the Tigers and the Broncos the next two weeks. So, you think even with the team that they've got now, they'll probably still beat both of them. Then, that's where it gets interesting. The last four rounds, they play the teams currently five through eight. So, Canberra, Newcastle, Cronulla, and South. Those games are going to determine whether or not the Roosters make the top four and those teams as well. It may come down to the last game, Roosters versus South, winner in the top four. Uh, so we all know how important in the NRL it is to get that top four finish. Only, I think, two teams have ever made it um, in this format outside the top four, if not one, maybe just the Cowboys in 2017. So... It's going to be difficult for them to play those games back to back to back to back because those teams, Canberra, Newcastle, Cronulla, and South, will really, you know, circle those games as must wins. So the Roosters are going to have to play some really tough games at the back end of the year. As they are already limping, they will be limping further into the final series. So um, I don't know about their premiership credentials now. I think. Look, I don't want to. I don't, don't want to knock out the two-time defending champions, but I think it is going to be incredibly difficult to win it from here. All right, so that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's go on to the soap opera that is the Brisbane Broncos at the moment. Now, look, we 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 were very uh, we played it with a straight bat last week about the allegations that had been made and the allegations of the allegations that had been made and that the allegations that were allegations were made to be allegations and that. Everything was alleged, and since since recording last Monday night, there's been more um, allegations and alleged allegations that have surfaced um, via social media and WhatsApp text messages and blah, 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 this and that. Uh, Anthony Seabold's come out and said, not only does he feel abandoned by the NRL, which, I mean, that that's tough in itself, 
Uh, he's looking at legal advice in regards to the rumors being circulating. Um, my only advice to him is, while it is defamatory, what has been said about him, um, you walk the line because even if one of the things are true, you've lost all credibility in the case against you know, defamation and all that sort of stuff. So there's there for me. And again, er, look, everything's alleged. There's allegations being thrown out there. Nothing has been ever been confirmed by anyone. But like I said last week, a lot of what was being said prior to Monday's recording of episode 111 seemed like there were a lot of dots finally connecting themselves together and making some sort of sense as to what's happened. Um, so, yeah, if, if there even is just one iota of legs to any of those rumors, you run the risk of losing that defamation style legal um, leg that you stand on. Um, the Broncos have been very quiet. The NRL has been very quiet about all these allegations that have been thrown out. I will not be surprised if these rumors and allegations will be used against Anthony Seabold to avoid having to pay him out three to four million dollars or whatever the alleged amount is um, over that time. So very interesting. I'm going out on a limb. I haven't said anything too crazy. Don't sue me. Um, But yeah, I mean, I look at this situation very similar to the Tiger Woods uh, drama where literally every person that had an interaction with Tiger Woods over over the previous 20 years came out and said, he did this, he did that, he did this, he did that. And I guarantee you that maybe only 5% of those allegations were true, but because there were so many that were, he's not going to sit there and go, that's true, that's not true, that's true, that's not true. He came out and owned it and said, yes, I've completely fucked up and while none, not all of these are true, I've done a lot of terrible things and I'm going to own it and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that everything's true and Seabold needs to come out and own it. I'm certainly not saying that, but it just, I'm just getting that same vibe where everyone's just ripping in and taking pot shots um, because that's what everyone else is doing so that they can just sneak in a little half-truth there or a little white lie there just to, you know, make things just that little bit of work, a little bit worse. And I would also pose a question to you fans out there, who stands to benefit the most out of Anthony Seabold losing his job? And that's where I'll leave it. Payne Haas accepting an early guilty plea two weeks for dangerous contact. So the only cat doing anything, I mean, Stags and Fafita had really good first halves and then fell off a cliff, but so did the entire team. Payne Haas, their shining light, the only guy doing anything consistently, is gone for two weeks. Um, it's going to get a whole lot worse. Jake Turpin out injured as well, broken hand. Uh, he can't stay on the field. Um, yeah, I just the Roosters and the Broncos have been the most injury hit. I think. Uh, I think Newcastle as well. Obviously, they're they're probably the three big ones. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what else to say about the Broncos. We should we should have uh, spoken to the bloke who threw his signed jersey uh, <laughs> at the uh, Broncos headquarters. Um, true fan there. Let's talk about the Warriors in the Warriors appreciation segment. Tight loss to the Panthers, 18-16, 18-12, I should say. Um I will spend a little bit of the Warriors appreciation segment talking about the Panthers because I think they are now firmed as premiership favourites. Storm, while looking very impressive, um, still have a lot of injuries. Um, Vinavalu gone, potentially played his last game for Melbourne as he moves to the Reds next year, broken jaw. Um, Cam Smith, Cam Munster, will they be 100% when they get back? Blah, 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 this and that. Penrith just seem to keep on keeping on. Um, and their 
everyone seems to be chipping in. It's not always a kick-out game. It's not always a JFH game. It's not always necessarily a Cleary game. It's not a Luai game. It's not a Mansource game. You know, they've, they've got contributors over the over the whole field. They're fast. They're young. They're fit. They're healthy. And they can make a real run at it in October, November? October. Let's just say October. But as for the Warriors, I mean, they're still putting in. Like, while I, I never thought the Warriors were going to actually win the game, they're still putting in. They're, they're, it was a great effort. And again, this kind of goes back to my Mary situation. The play, Todd Payton must be loved by the players. There's no way that a team in this situation would be putting in for a guy that they hated. It, that doesn't make sense. Like, they just would have packed it in and gone, ah, oh, this whole thing's a fucking dumpster fire. Let's just forget about it, get our paychecks, and then go home and we'll figure it out next year. Um, these these guys still committed. They're, you know, putting in very professional efforts. Um, they're still showing heart, still showing resilience um, in the face of adversity, you know, at every step of the way. Um, so I do commend them for their effort. Um, two of us, a Sheck with one of the try the year candidates, plucked it out of nowhere. Um, I bring him up because there was rumors prior to the match saying that um, the Auckland Blues, I believe, I could be wrong, but definitely New Zealand Rugby have allegedly reached out to RTS and the management, his management, to see if there's any interest of him playing rugby union next year in New Zealand. Um, we haven't really spoken about this a lot, but. As the people that I trust and people that I talk to, they're of the view that New Zealand will have to do exactly what they're doing this year, next year, um, in order to play in the competition. Um, and that's something we're not really thinking about at the moment. New Zealand's just gone into its second lockdown after uh, the the mis- you know the mysterious circumstances in which the virus has resurfaced. You know. That it is what it is, um, yeah. So the the borders aren't going to get open. We there was an article written today by the ABC saying that um, Queensland Premier uh, don't know how for how much longer, but current Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk uh, will keep the borders closed until there's quote no community transmission in New South Wales and Victoria. So that to me says at least until the end of the year, if not until the start of footy season next year. So that that's huge. And what that means, not only in rugby league, but for, um, you know, my, my friends, my family, got some close friends and family in Sydney. Um, shout out um, Medicine Balls down in Sydney as well. I uh, was thinking about him at the moment, but, yeah, what, what does that mean for New Zealand moving forward? Will some of the players look to opt out just to stay home with their families? Will the NRL have to invest a hell of a lot more money in getting the players' families over to Australia for a permanent move, get them into schools, you know, do that, all that sort of stuff? These are the things that no one's really thinking about because it's just like, oh, we, you know, rugby league's back, how good, and we're just making it work. Well, what's going to happen next year when we can't get the borders open? And, you know, if if Queensland's not going to open for community, until community trans, transmission or a vaccine is found, um, you know, that has huge implications moving forward next year. Melbourne Storm, they might have to do the same thing. They might be permanently relocated um, to the Sunshine Coast, um, at least for the preseason. Uh, but could be even longer. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, will we see this... Revolt's a strong word, but will we see this sort of opting out where um, Warriors players either take up contracts with Australian clubs or, you know, and then permanently move or, or do your RTSs and your top-end New Zealand players end up opting to play in the New Zealand Rugby Union competition um, because that's a locally based thing, a guaranteed paycheck, guaranteed to stay in New Zealand with their family and friends and blah, 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 this and that. So that is a 
severely underrated uh, topic that's not getting discussed just yet because I think we're still in that honeymoon phase of we're making it work. How good's this? But the reality is um, these guys are looking at the prospect of, you know, 18 months away from their families just to play footy um, in this crisis. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I'm just telling you what's been said out there with the punters. Next couple of weeks for the, the Warriors are, are pretty testing. So they got the dogs who just came off a heartbreaker against the Tigers, Newcastle and Parramatta. So not a not a not an amazing stretch moving forward. You've got a bottom team, a mid range team, and a, a top tier premiership contender in consecutive weeks. So let's see if they can keep this resilience up and keep playing at a high level. As we move it, we're making great time. There's no interruptions or explanations of what happened in the week's sport. It's fantastic. Let's keep it going. Um, the Olympic team of the week, plenty of candidates. Um, and this is where we'll bring in our European correspondent. Um, look, the Roosters, obviously, um, they're upgraded because just their injuries are a wasteland and Melbourne were on fire. Parramatta, that loss against... St. George, but again, upgraded because they were playing, the Dragons were playing for Mary, and you know what, Parramatta haven't been playing that fantastic over the last three or four weeks. Um, Close win against the Bulldogs, where they didn't even know if they wanted to sing the team song after the game. Um, Yeah, you know, uh, but again, it's a marathon, not a sprint, I think they're just in that lull, but they've got the talent there. I mean, Sivo, who, who, who's playing on the wing for Parramatta at the moment? Um, but yeah, they, they've got enough talent where they can peg it back. I'm not worried about Parramatta. Yeah, the final candidate is the Brisbane Broncos, but look, I, I'm not going to say that I feel sorry for them, but this is as close as I'll feel sorry for them uh, ever in my life. Um, and we've already spoken about them. So I'm going European. Uh, we've spoken to our European correspondent, Barcelona. Yep, that's right. Barcelona FC. FC Barcelona. Barcelona FC, I think. Yeah, whatever. 8-2 loss against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. 8-2. Barcelona landing through eight goals. Uh, I don't know. I'd love to know the stat exactly on... How many times Barcelona have let eight through? I would say that it's zero. And this, to me, always takes me... Any score like this in soccer always takes me back to the 2014 World Cup semifinal between Germany and Brazil, where Brazil uh, just absolutely shat on the hopes of a nation and phoned it in, uh, David Luiz, against uh, Germany 7-1. Uh, where it was essentially a training run. And that moment, I think, in world sport, for me, even as a casual fan, uh, that 7-1 is is probably top five sporting moments of just like shock and awe. I think number one still got to be Usain Bolt, where he walked the last 40 meters in Beijing and still won by about 10 meters. Uh, That's still, to me, like just just a, a shock and awe, like, how can someone be that much better than everyone else in 100 meters? Um, and then also up there's uh, got to be Mick Fanning um, beating off a shark literally in uh, on live television in uh, South Africa. Um, that was they're probably just off the top of my head in terms of international sports. Uh, just three moments where it's just like just shock and awe at what I've just seen. Um, so yeah, and then Barcelona responded with, with, uh, sacking their coach pretty much immediately after the game. I mean, no one's even remotely surprised at that. Barcelona barely ever loses, let alone losing by six goals against a German team. Um, but Bayern Munich, you know, they're just the quiet achievers, aren't they? And, and so is Borussia Dortmund as well. I, I, I root for those German clubs in the uh, 
in the European competition. So let's see if Bayern can uh, come away with a victory in the Champions League. Now, we go straight from the European correspondent to the American correspondent for a candidate for on the take of the year. But the problem is, I don't know who's on the take the most. Uh, So everyone gets put in the same uh, on the take. The NBA, the TV, TNT, ESPN, Giannis, the Greek freak, Portland, Memphis, everyone's on the fucking take. Why are they on the take? Well, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, he- takes a headbutts a bloke in the penultimate match of their seeding games in the bubble. Why did he need to? What? Milwaukee have the number one seed. Giannis has been a hot, like he's been angry in the bubble. I don't know what's going on, but he's getting very frustrated. Even from the first game against um, Boston, yeah, he's, I don't know. He's just, I mean, he's dominated. Don't get me wrong; like he made the all bubble team. Like he's, I'm not an idiot. He's one of the best players in in the competition, if not the M- the back to back MVP. But for him to to give a headbutt to a no name guy on the Wizards who were 17 games out of it, and then misses the last game of the year against oh wait. Memphis, who needed to win in order to stay in contention for the playoff game and eliminate Phoenix, my team, who have gone 8-0, 8-0. ESPN gave them a 0.03% chance. So let's do some quick math. If you simulate the bubble in in its entirety 10,000 times, the Suns go 8-0 three out of 10,000 times. Phenomenal achievement. They were so far out of it. They needed to go 8-0 and have results go their way. And at the final hurdle, at the final hurdle, Giannis goes and headbutts a bloke, misses the game against Memphis who are a must-win situation. And what do they do? Of course they fucking win. And then Portland, who everyone knew was the best team uh, in those uh, that group of teams vying for the last spot in the eight, were the only ones that were going to be even remotely competitive against the Lakers. Damian Lillard has been on a tear. Uh, that is a foreshadow for the Sweezies, um, especially since he got into beef with Patrick Beverly and Paul George. Um and of course, Portland then go on to beat Memphis um, to set up a mouthwatering first round playoff matchup against the Lakers. All while Phoenix goes eight and zero, does everything right, and gets dudded at the last hurdle. Everyone is on the take. Right now, usually welfare check. Well, welfare check still is is comedic, but. Um, it, it takes on a, a little bit more serious turn this week. We have three, three candidates uh, or three nominations for welfare check. Um, let's start with Jeremy Marshall King. Now, crucial point in the game, the Tigers get out to a 14-point lead after 30 minutes and the Bulldogs come firing back. And Jeremy Marshall King goes straight through the middle and beats... Adam Dwayhe and and half-brother Benji Marshall, and he is about a foot from the line. Keeping in mind, Bankwest is... You may as well be playing on a slip and slide at this stage. He just needed to literally fall over, and he would have scored a try. He, he broke out of the tackle. He kind of spun out of the tackle more, juked... Dwayhe and Benji had the line completely open, but stood there, waited a second, then threw it to Tolman while Benji and Dwayhe got into position to tackle him, made the tackle, and then the ball just just, just bobbed out, but he was able to gain possession just before it hit the ground for a try. Now, I've, I've, I cannot remember an easier try being scored in 
in a more difficult manner. And I think Jeremy Marshall King just was like, I've done all the hard work and then just froze. He didn't know what to do because he didn't think he'd be, first of all, that open and then juke two plays within half a meter of the line to take the lead, uh, I think, against the Tigers come from all the way back. Um, But yeah, just a really dumb play. Uh, Don't know where his head's at. Someone, if you know Jeremy Marshall King, please call him, make sure he's okay. Now, that that's kind of the funny one because, like, they ended up scoring a try in the end. The dumb one has got to be uh, Juzzy T, friend of the show, his best mate, Carl Felt. Now, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Cowboys were up, what, six, eight? I can't even remember. No, they're up two. They're up two. And... On the last, the Souths were making a run down the field, trying to, you know, get down and score a try and put themselves in front. Last tackle, Kyle Felt goes, nah, I'm having none of this. I'm just going to blatantly rip the ball out like an idiot on the last play against a team with one of the best goal kickers in the competition, if not the history of rugby league. Um, and what happens? They fucking kick the penalty goal 30 out. Um, on the sideline, of course they fucking kick it. Then they go down all the way down to the end of the field and Adam Reynolds kicks a field goal, um, all because Kyle Feld decided to be an absolute muppet and try and steal the ball on the last play when they had them in the corner. All they were going to do was put up a bomb and see what happened. Kyle Felt ruined the opportunity. And you know what? Fair play to Josh Hannay, who did come out and say, Players were acting stupid and morons, and we act like we're premiership winners off the off the field and during the week. And then when we're on the field, we act like just complete morons. So, acknowledgement there that um, it was a dumb play. Cole felt, what are you doing, Juzzy T? You'll know his number. Call him. Make sure he's okay. Make sure he gets his head in the game next week. And the last one is isn't necessarily comedic. It's more just, again, a shock and awe kind of moment. Valentino Rossi, the GOAT of uh, MotoGP, avoided death not once, but twice in the space of about 0.3 of a second. Um, Incredible footage in the MotoGP over the weekend. Again, our European correspondent um, um, sent sent this one through, so I'm not 100% on specifics, but... Uh, huge crash um, behind where Rossi had been racing, but there was a big right-angle turn. And, of course, the bikes just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And he managed to avoid one just you could see his head tilt. And then just as he was, like, probably shat himself from avoiding death the first time, would have just looked up and seen another bike right in front of him going across him. And... Uh, just shimmied out of that one as well. Amazing that he didn't fall off his bike himself. Amazing that he didn't get his head taken off the first time, to be fair. Um, incredible reflexes, incredible luck. I was saying, if he was going one kilometer an hour slower, he's probably dead twice. Uh, that's how insane that little passage was. Um, and you could tell he was visibly shaken, um, you know, in the press conference after and blah, 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 this and that. So... Valentino Rossi, we're glad you're okay, mate. We're glad everyone's okay. Um, most, I think everyone avoided serious injury there. Valentino Rossi cheating death in twice in less than a second. Um, we're glad you're okay, but we send our well wishes for a welfare check, Valentino Rossi. All right. Let's get into some final segments here. We're making great time. I didn't even shit on the Broncos that much. Huh. All right, fantasy. Well, here we go. Another wasteland uh, in fantasy. Sean Johnson came off with 20 minutes to go as a precaution. Um, Payne Haas off for two weeks. Um, Jerome Luai is now looking like he's got a he's a must trade. Um, the Norfoluma conundrum. Now that the Tigers have the toughest draw remaining in the competition. Will Nofaluma see his totals go down? Is this time to cash out for a Stags or um, a Josh Adokar or someone like that? Um, 
uh, Cam Smith returning? Did did people keep him? Um, did people trade him? Are you running out of trades? Um, it's it's not easy at the moment, and my results certainly have uh, fallen by the wayside over the last couple of weeks. So let's go through them. Coagulators take a loss against Chucky Soldiers. Huge win from Jared the Random. 1 2 3 4 versus 1 2 3 0. Joe's Gun scores the second highest score in the round. Was quick to point that out to me this morning, pre recording. And loses to Basket Straightens, who continues their rise up the total points ladder, which we'll get to later. 1 3 8 9 to 1 3 0 9. Oh, sorry, 1381 to 1309. Let's get it accurate. The Revolution making their late season run. 1261 against Smith 400 plus 1130. No Falcon chances. Manny Hanlon continues his winning ways. 1242 over Dan's Tigers random 1140. And despite making four digits, Benny H suffers a big loss. Against Bugatti Gold, 1288 versus 1057. As we head to the head to head ladder in the Sporting Woods League, and there is a change at the top. Benny G's Revolution, 20 league points tied with the Coagulators, but superior on points differential, 1391 uh, to the Revolution and 1254 to. The Coagulators, basket straight in. There's a two-game gap now. The basket straight ins, while doing well in total points, not faring too well in the league. They're in a three-way tie for third. Basket straight ins, no falcon chances in Joe's Guns, all on 16 points. Bugatti Gold makes up a game with that loss to Joe's Guns. He's in striking distance of the top three now. 14 points. Um, then the, there's a three-game drop. Chucky Soldiers looks like he's secured a spot, essentially, in the competition, uh, in the final series, I should say, with that win against the Coagulators. He's on eight points. Dan's Tigers on six. Then there's an, another two-point gap um, to the outsiders looking in. Smith, 400-plus, and with a points differential of negative 2,417, Benny H. As we move to the total points... Juzzy T making his move. Overall score, overall rank, 617 for a total score of 17,011. Benny G, 500 points away, 400 points away. 16,605 for an overall rank of 4264, which was my ranking two or three weeks ago. I have dropped down to 6,217 in the overall ranks with a total score of 16,496. So 110 points away. And I'm down, what, 2,000 overall points. So heavy congestion at the top of the overall point standings for the competition. Bugatti Gold is the last person in the top 10,008912 for a total point score of 16,376. No Falcon chances, only 60 points behind 16,317 for a total overall of 10,466. So he just drops out of the 10,000 for this week, but he has a strong team moving forward. So I expect him to get back into the top 10,000. There's your shout out, mate. Okay, let's move on to the tipping. Now, Benny G. Wins the round seven. Tip Melbourne, the only one in our competition to tip Melbourne. So he gets to win the round and remain on top of the ladder. But we will start at the bottom. Allegedly, 68.6 for the round. Um, Medicine Balls having a shocker. Um, I don't know. Does he keep tipping the Broncos? I don't think so. Um, Maybe it's just shit at tips. 71. Joe M., 73, Dan V, 5 for the round, Dan. Um, Still waiting for your miraculous victory that you shot your shot for a couple weeks ago. 76, tied with Angle Park, who again, we all know, didn't tip an entire round and remains two points off third place. Uh, She's on 76. And also with um, Big Daddy, Big Daddy Hack. Congratulations, mate. Um, new dad um, and celebrates with a six. 
And also, Matty Hanlon is on 76 as well after scoring six for the round. So, not much difference there between, what, fifth and ninth, uh, eighth. JT, well, he's fallen off a cliff after, you know, scoring the perfect round not that long ago. Um, that seems like forever now because he's fallen four points back in the league. Lead, um, five for the round, 77. Hashtag ride or die loses the round. Um, worse than his bride who doesn't even tip. Well, there you go. Four for the round, 20-point differential versus four for the round for Katie, who obviously gets the lowest score and a zero differential. Well, she gets 18 for the differential there. And Luke drops a couple of games off the lead there, so he's three behind now, 78. And the coagulator and 2019 on the take winner, Sun Yang, um, both on 81, but Sun Yang with a superior differential. Now, controversial because... Um, Benny G did reach out to us and say, hey, I had to change my name because on ESPN, you can't make names for um, different leagues. Um, you have to keep one name for the for all the leagues that you play in. And he was getting some kickback um, because of his high-ranking position that some people may have thought it was inappropriate. But for us, you'll always be Sun Yang. Um, and we love you for it, mate. So that is the fantasy and tipping. Let's get into it. We're we're in the home stretch here, making great time, everyone. We're going to be out of here within an hour. Tremendous. Okay, let's get to the Sweezies. Look, to be fair, there's not a lot at the moment. Yeah, there's not a lot of contenders this week. Uh, it was pretty difficult to pick some winners, but uh, we got a couple of honorable mentions and... Uh, we, we do have the American Correspondent featuring um, this week in the Sweezy. So, honorable mention, Savage Speeders of Marble League fame. They take out the 2020 Marble League um, after a, a long marathon um, event in the final round. Um, Shades of Luke's favorite, Marbula One. They played, I think, 35 laps um, around to determine a winner. And, and Savage Speeders... Uh, I think finished ninth in the race, but first overall. So, huge shout-out to them. They're two-time winners in the Marble League. Now, Mayo Rangers finished second after leading pretty much the entire way um, and just falling over in the last two events. I want to give a shout-out to Luke Brooks, who absolutely nailed a field goal, um, which will probably be the Tigers' last win of the year uh, against the Bulldogs. Um Madge riding all the emotions and you know what it was good to see when they shot back to him when he kicked it you could definitely tell um Maguire was like yes Brooksy um and I don't know I I like that sort of stuff where you see the coaches like put in a little bit more um and you like we all we all laugh at Bellamy like blowing up at certain people and things like that but I I think on the flip side it's really good to see coaches like praise players like that and it was clearly, he clearly definitely said, you know, Brooksy, good on you, Brooksy, and all that sort of stuff. So I was, I was happy for him. It's been an up and down year for Brooks. Um, yeah, I mean, talk talk that he's been shipped to other clubs and all that sort of gear. Um, but slots the field goal, hasn't kicked that many over the course of his career. Um, but happy to see him prevail there. Uh, and final honorable mention, not a lot this week. Uh, I want to shoot my shot because I actually had a good, good win on the punt this weekend. Um, Black Booker Horse, quite a while ago, I've been keeping tabs on it. Our Playboy, um, $14 winner at Caulfield Race 4, I think. Um, yeah, a good little win there. And it's about the only time that like a, a genuine researched horse that I've followed um, has, has gotten up at value. So... Um, shout out to myself there. And if I'd given a tip to other people, it would have lost. So don't come complain to me. Um, and a quick little update for horse of the show, Ocean X. Um, connections have reached out to us and have said, load up for its Melbourne Cup run. It is primed and ready to go. It's a people's horse. Um, let's just check in as I do this live. I forgot to set this up at the start. Let's see what it's currently paying. 
I think last time I checked, it was paying over $100, um, which is great value. Um, but again, it's Melbourne Cup, so like it's in a long time. <laughs> so, you know, we can't go too crazy. Let's see. Da, 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 da. This is just really great podcasting. Uh, Ocean X, well, it's $26. So it opened at 51 and it's into 34 uh, down from 34 and that's with bet easy. So yeah, c- could have missed the, uh, missed the jump there to be fair. Um, but yeah, good, good signs from the connections out of, um, horse of the show ocean X. So keep that in mind, um, for your spring carnival. Right. Let's, let's get into the point. So one point goes to McKaylee Ravalawa. Now he had an absolute blinder. He had two tries, um, one of them was in the corner. Brilliant effort. Um, but he get, he gets it for the play out of the in goal where he's he's run across field, he's beaten tacklers, and then he's thrown the pass to Pereira. And Pereira's magically weaved his way um, out of the in goal um, and saved a goal line dropout at such a crucial time in the game. Uh, my opinion is that, that that play from Ravalawa saved the game for the Dragons. Um, and he's, you know what, he's been up and down and, and teams do find him out under the high ball and things like that. But when he's on, he can be one of the most damaging wingers in the competition. Um, and on a quiet week, fair credit to him, um, McKaylee Ravalawa, one point. And again, quiet week, but this guy deserves a lot of credit. Yes, he is a friend of the show, so there, there could be allegations and accusations that we are on the take, but Christian Welsh in a man of the match performance uh, for Melbourne Storm against the Roosters, um, you know, 170-something plus metres, 20-something hit-ups, 20-something tackles. The unsung hero of the Melbourne Storm forward pack, he has been recognised, he has played Origin, um, but... He is just that quintessential Melbourne player where you've never heard of him. They probably paying him a ham sandwich, um, and he is one of the best props in the competition. Um, terrific bloke, does amazing charity work for Starlight Foundation. Um, just an overall good guy, one of the good guys of rugby league, um, and glad to see him succeed against a top-notch pack like the Roosters. Um, sky's the limit for this guy. Um, and again, he's in a contract situation after recovering from ACL last year. Um, so he's had persistent rumors St. George Parramatta. Um, so yeah, he might, he might be moving off on to a starring role at a club, different club next year. And any club that picks up Christian Welsh, um, will be better off than they were before. So two points to Christian Welsh and it cannot go to anyone else. The three-point wonder from 2019 will feature again, probably as a three-point wonder this year, Damian Lillard. Three points in the Sweezies. If you have been unfamiliar with what's happened, Damian Lillard cannot miss. He cannot miss. He has been on a tear ever since he missed two two free throws against the Clippers, Paul George and Patrick Beverly. We're absolutely ripping into him. Then they went back and forth on Twitter saying, I've eliminated both you cats before, which is true. Both both times on game-winning three-pointers or series-ending three-pointers in Portland, um, Patrick Beverly when he was um, on the Houston Rockets roster and most notably um, Paul George last year when he was at OKC with the the award-winning performance. Um, with the little wave off um, from Lillard. So he always backs himself. They'd been very um, unlucky with injuries pre-bubble, post-bubble. It took him a while to get into it, but the last four games, three games, he just he couldn't miss. He was taking shots from the logo like it was a fucking layup. Like he was just on fire. No one could guard him. I think he averaged like 45 points in the second half of the bubble. He made the he was a unanimous selection with um, Devin Booker for the All Bubble Team. Um, guides his team to the eighth, coveted eighth spot, um, and will take on the Lakers, who have 
faltered. Um, they've had some, you know, COVID bubble opt-outs and things like that, but Rajon Rondo appears to be able, appears to have come back in. I think I read something like that, so he might be available. They're still trying to put the pieces together. Um, J.R. Smith's back. Uh, or on a contract now, Dion Waiters, I think, there as well. So they're still trying to, you know, figure out where they all fit in. But any team with LeBron in, in a setup like this, you know, you, you, you rarely bet against. But there's a guy to do it in the West at the moment. It's got to be Damian Lillard. So set that again on the take allegations for the setup of this um, matchup with the Lakers. Um, but it's going to be must-watch television for all you American sports fans out there. So Damian Lillard, three points in the Sweezies. Still the three-way tie at first. Smoking Joe Burrow, looking beautiful in a Bengals jersey um, as the NFL preseason or, or training camp ramps up. Um, Nathan Cleary and Kalen Ponger still tied for first. So we go into our final segment, the spicy matchup, sponsored by Sriracha. Uh, unfortunately, I do not um, partake in the sriracha eating. Um, what can I say? Hmm. I really haven't even, even had anything with a little bit of spice in it recently. No, I lie. We went to a pub and we got the mean angle puck and we got the suppressor pizza and it was basically chili flakes with a bit of dough. Like, it, I've never seen that many chili flakes on anything. They've just, like, loaded up on chili flakes. Fuck me. I couldn't feel my f- fucking face for, like, two hours after I ate it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my spicy story for the weekend. I apologize for the uh, lack of spicy slash sriracha content. Um, hopefully that doesn't... Null and void our sponsorship with Sriracha moving forward. I'm sure it won't. And I'm sure Luke, post-transdental electromicide, will be able to fill us in with his spicy Sriracha stories. And again, we bring in the American correspondent because the NBA playoffs are upon us. And the aforementioned Lakers-Blazers matchup will be huge. Lillard versus LeBron. That's much worse television. But I also think a, a, a cheeky spicy matchup is... Um, the four and the five, the OKC versus Houston. Now, we all know that Russell Westbrook got traded, um, you know, along with Paul George after he said, I'm going with Kawhi. Um, and um, Houston decided to deal away Chris Paul. And basically, it was him, Stephen Adams, and a bunch of misfit players, Gallinari and a couple of other randoms. And again, very similar setup to the Suns going 8 or 9. I think they were given a 0.2% chance. So if you play the season a thousand times, OKC made the playoffs twice and they get the 5 seed um, this time. So, you know, a phenomenal effort and it goes to show that Chris Paul still has it and there's still room in the NBA for facilitators, not just scorers. Um, So, yeah, and of course, Chris Paul's one of those guys... You know, he's got that Mamba mentality, that MJ mentality, where he's really going to make this personal. Um, they traded him away. You know, Houston traded him away, thought he they couldn't win a championship without him, and he's got the perfect opportunity to give a big FU middle finger to the club that traded him away uh, and eliminate them from the playoffs. James Harden does win the scoring title for the second or third year in a row. Um, so... Look, he's been fairly quiet, to be fair, in the bubble. But I think it's because other players have really outshone. I don't think it's anything that he's done wrong or anything like that. But, yeah, just just quiet. Usually usually it's the scorers, it's your Harden, it's your LeBrons. But it, it really was the Lillard um, Booker show. Um, uh, TJ Warren also as well, shout out, um, in the bubble. So they're my spicy matchups, but bringing it back to rugby league. Huge, huge game. Parramatta versus Melbourne at uh, Wankbest Thursday night. Um, Parramatta, they, this is a must win for Parramatta. It's not necessarily a must win for Melbourne. This is a must win for Parramatta. And I say that not because they'll miss the four or they'll miss the eight or blah, 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 this and that. They need to restore belief in what they're doing because 
they've had some very poor performances, as mentioned already, um, in recent times, particularly um, Bulldogs against the Bulldogs and St. George. Um, so this is a statement game. This is a must-win game. They are on a short turnaround. They are playing at home, so that's something that goes in their favor. Storm have won. You know, they've gone on a run. Um, they'll be looking to really assert their dominance as well and put their hand up and say, hey, we're still here, um, and we're doing it without our two best players. So, yeah, a lot of lot of little sub-stories here. Um, could this be a grand final preview? Potentially, yes. We will probably... We'll, you would think that we would see these two face off in a finals match later in the year. So, um, this one is not not for all the marbles, but for Parramatta, this one's going to mean a lot more than just a regular season match. So, that will be the spicy matchup in the NRL. And that wraps it up. Oh, 1 hour 33. Damn. Oh, well. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I, I do enjoy doing the solo episodes. Um, gives me more time to preach and um, yell down the microphone than have a general discussion. But, you know, it is what it is. We will be back next week. Don't worry. The transdental electromicide will work out. We will have Luke back on date next week. Um, thank you for your all your support, all your feedback. It's greatly appreciated. Um, and we will catch you next week. Oh. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, and then make like a bye. <laughs> <laughs>